we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. if we did leave. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. It will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. All right, folks, welcome to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. As you just heard, the FDR address there, it is the 66th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack. I am your host, Anthony Pack, sitting in, well, sitting in for myself, basically, tonight. No one's here. We are without our two beloved co-hosts, Ben Miller, who's not feeling so well, so Ben, feel better. And Pyeth is uh, gambling his money away in Atlantic City, so good luck to him. Uh, you know, bet it all in black, whatever you got to do. Hopefully, he'll win some money and bring it back. And uh, so it's just me tonight, your your host, Anthony Pax, tonight on Revere Radio Network. Lots going on. Like I said, it's the 66th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Probably not going to talk too much about that event tonight. If you want to, that's fine, but we got a lot to talk about. We weren't here last week. If you tuned in, you heard a repeat of the previous week's show with Charles Ratner when we discussed further in detail the Liberty Dollar seizure, the FBI seizure, that is. Um, he had some good insight, and we got a couple of good calls on that, so... Uh, there's a lot going on, and we've been out of it for a bit. I was actually in Barbados last week, so I wasn't here, and that's why we ran the, the repeat. So, nevertheless, we're shorthanded, but we're here. This is the Animal Farm Radio Show. Uh, tonight is going to be a quasi-open lines night. If, uh, if you want to call in, talk about whatever you want, that's cool. We got free speech. Let's use it. Uh, however, there's a lot of stuff that I uh, want to talk about tonight. Not the least of which is uh, more Taze news. I, I don't want to get you know too far into it. We could literally start doing a show only on tasing incidents now. It's getting so bad. Every single incident that I see, I mean, literally, we have a deaf man in his own bathroom, half naked, getting tased. Um, so, you know, we'll get into that, but before we do, I want to announce uh, that our website is up. If you haven't visited it so far, check it out. It's www.animalfarmshow.com. 
com. And in addition to that, we have our podcasts, which are up and running on uh, iTunes. So to get information on how to uh, get to the you know podcast, check it out. It's on our site. Just scroll down on our homepage. Once again, it's animalfarmshow.com. The number tonight, as always, is 914-613-3166. That's 914-613-3166. Again, this is the Animal Farm Show. And you can Skype us at Animal Farm Show, one word, or instant message us at Animal Farm Show, one word. Uh, once again, I'm running solo tonight, so contact us. This is Open Lines. We're going to get into a lot of news, but before we do, uh, being a New York native resident here and you know having born uh, been born in New York and I've grown up in New York, the news that came out about Rudolph Giuliani, uh, you know, he's not my favorite candidate by any means, and I certainly don't want to see him win the election. But this news that came out really actually shocked me, and it takes a lot to shock me in this day and age after the research I've done in the last couple of years. Uh, apparently, uh, Rudolph Giuliani has some kind of ties to terrorism. And I want to just read the beginning of this article that came out of the Village Voice. Rudy's ties to terror chic. Giuliani's business contracts tie him to the man who let 9-11's mastermind escape the FBI. This was written by Wayne Barrett on the 27th of November. Um, three weeks after 9-11, when the roar of fighter jets still haunted the city's skyline, the emir of gas-rich Qatar, or Qatar, Sheikh Hamed bin Khalif al-Tahani, toured ground zero. Although a member of the emir's own royal family had harbored the man who would later be identified as the mastermind of the attack, a man named, I'll try this again, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, often referred to in, in the intelligence circles by his initials, KSM, al-Tahani, rushed to New York in its aftermath, offering to make a $3 million donation, principally to the families of its victims. So, you know, this article comes out. I'm sure many of you have heard about this this article, and I, I don't really know if it's true, and I certainly can't prove that it's true. Uh, but I, I got to just make this little ironic. Uh, it's, it's, it's like amusing. I went to uh, Giuliani's campaign site, and you know just as well as I do, if you've heard Giuliani speak, if, if you hear him in the debates, if you hear him speak to any crowd um, – He's always talking about terrorism. He's always using terrorism, uh, not necessarily for fear, but he's always saying that, you know, I dealt with terrorism and I'm Mr. 9-11, and he's always pushing that agenda. And I think it's kind of – it's very foolish, uh, but never thought that it was as bad as it actually is. So I want to play the campaign commercial uh, right off of Giuliani's campaign website. Check this out. I remember back to the 1970s and the early 1980s. Iranian mullahs took American hostages. And they held the American hostages for 444 days. And they released the American hostages in one hour. And that should tell us a lot about these Islamic terrorists that we're facing. The one hour in which they released them was the one hour in which Ronald Reagan was taking the oath of office as president of the United States. The best way you deal with dictators, the best way you deal with tyrants and terrorists, you stand up to them. You don't back down. I'm Rudy Giuliani, and I approve this message. Yeah, uh, just a bit strange. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's a poor approach. Again, considering the idea that uh, terrorism is really the top thing that we should be worrying about in the country today, you know, uh, December 7, 2007, uh, I would probably put a hundred things on the list before the threat of terrorism. But that's my opinion. Nevertheless, I want to elaborate on this really quickly. Keith Oberman, leave it up to Keith Oberman now, the countdown show. Less than 24 hours later, he had to cover this uh, story. Now, he, he actually took most of his show up uh, interviewing a couple of gentlemen. I just want to play the, the first half of it because I think it's, it's really well done. And I want to get your opinions on this after it's done. So check this out. This is Keith Oberman's report on the Giuliani ties to t terrorism. 
Good evening. This is Wednesday, November 28, 342 days until the 2008 presidential election. It is a startling and potentially ruinous revelation for Rudolph Giuliani. Our fifth story on the countdown, there are countless what-ifs about 9-11, hundreds of events, maybe thousands of lives, any one of which, if just altered slightly, might have preempted the attacks. But this one involves a man identified tonight as a close business associate of Mr. Giuliani's, a man accused of having harbored in, then helped 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed escape from the Gulf nation of Qatar hours before the arrest or that would have been affected by an FBI team. The war on terror candidate looking tonight a lot more like the ties to terror candidate. Wayne Barrett of The Village Voice reporting that Mr. Giuliani's extensive business contracts with the nation of Qatar tie him directly to the man who kept Khalid Sheikh Mohammed out of American hands. He is Abdallah bin Khaled Al-Tani. He was Qatar's Islamic Affairs Minister at the time and its Interior Minister since 2001. When the FBI was hours away from closing in on Khalid Sheikh Mohammed in 1996, Tani, who was harboring the suspect, is widely accused of tipping him off to the FBI agent's Im imminent arrival, as well as giving him 20 blank passports. Former CIA case officer Robert Baer says he did so with the blessing and probably the direct orders of this man, the emir of Qatar. You may remember Sheikh Hamad bin Khalifa Al-Tani from his trip to New York City during the 9-11 aftermath, offering to make a $3 million donation, most of it to go to the families of the victims. Mayor Giuliani more than glad to take that check and to serve as the emir's personal tour guide during his visit and to be his fellow guest on the Larry King Show on CNN. That, it seems, was only the beginning of their alliance. Years after his mayoralty had ended, Mr. Giuliani was to begin a far more lucrative partnership with the government of Qatar, specifically with the interior ministry run by, you guessed it, the fellow member of Qatar's royal family, Abdallah Al-Tani. If letting the 9-11 mastermind go were not bad enough for that man, Al-Tani is also said to have hosted Osama bin Laden on two separate visits to his farm. It is with this terrorist aider and abetter that Mr. Giuliani's security firm, a subsidiary of Giuliani Partners, has worked on an undisclosed number of contracts, reports the Village Voice, some of which Giuliani himself and his employees openly have acknowledged. Mr. Giuliani telling a South African newspaper in June 2006 that he, quote, recently helped Qatar to transform Doha in advance of the Asian Games, an Olympics-style competition that his firm oversaw security for last December. The emir's special guest at that, Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Village Voice Senior Editor Wayne Barrett. All right, so he interviews Wayne Barrett. Um, pretty shocking. I know it's a long clip, but Keith really digs in there. And, you know, uh, last couple months we've heard about the firefighters, particularly the chief firefighter in uh, New York City, really bashing Giuliani on the mainstream media. There's, a, there's basically a campaign against Giuliani, uh, his own statesmen his own uh, you know fellow new yorkers um really doing as much as they can uh, to do against him because of uh, several issues one uh, not the least of which is the bunker issue um and certainly about the the radios that were faulty during the attacks and all these things that you know are, are julian is getting blamed for so there's dirt in that category there's also the dirt about him using 9-11 regardless of your beliefs on 9-11 Giuliani using 9-11 uh, for gain, basically, for political gain. Uh, and then if you really want to go back, you know, and I don't want to get into 9-11 tonight too much, uh, but certainly call and, and let us know. But you also uh, have to talk about him being responsible 
for you know getting rid of the evidence of the World Trade Center towers, the metal, recycling it, uh, shooting it over there to China to be melted down and recycled. Very uh, strange behavior, especially coming from someone who is a lawyer, basically. And uh, Giuliani's campaign seems to be crumbling at its <laughs> at every single seam. So. Hey, you know, it makes me happy. I'm a Ron Paul fan. I think Ron Paul is 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 the perfect candidate, especially in these troubled times. But uh, still, to to this day, it's 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 strange uh, reading this type of article really in the mainstream about Giuliani. So uh, give us a call nine one four six one three three one six six. And I just said us, but of course, like I said before, there's no one here. It's just me. Um, so call me. Call me. The Animal Farm Show. Uh, 914-613-3166, or you can Skype us at Animal Farm Show. So just before, you know, I, I wanted to just bring that out there just to just to talk about it. I haven't heard too many people talk about it in depth, and I'm certainly no expert on that subject, but it's still, uh, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Nevertheless, we have, uh, like I said, we have a big show lined up for you tonight. We have a lot of topics to discuss. There's a lot more tasering incidents going on, um, not the least of which is one tasing incident that is, very eerily f- uh, similar to the tasing incident of the the highway, the highwayman. Uh, we reported on this a while back, and um, just as an update, and this, you know, I, I really couldn't believe this, but when we talked about uh, the salt, and this happened in Utah, out of the Salt Lake Tribune, this was uh, covered in our two shows ago, where a Utah highway patrol troop, uh, trooper tased a man, basically, because he, you know, for doing nothing. He was walking back to his car. I think the guy was a little scared. He thought a gun was pulled over. Short, Long story short, you all know what happened. The guy was speeding, or apparently was speeding. Cop told him to get out of the car and immediately pointed a taser at him. Well, here's the update. Um, the use of the taser was reasonable. So out of the Salt Lake Tribune, I can't believe this. This was all on video, and to me it was a, it was in the bag um, that this was completely unlawful and this, this was unacceptable. But, you know... Unbelievable. Here we go. Flashback. Man tased for asking officer why he was stopped. Utah Highway Patrol Trooper John Gardner used his taser to zap a motorist who became uncooperative during a traffic stop. Many people who viewed the confrontation after it was posted on the website YouTube thought Gardner was out of line. However, UHP officials on Friday announced Gardner's actions were justified when he shocked Jared Massey twice during the September 14th incident in Utina County. Gardner's actions were lawful and reasonable under the circumstances, UHP Superintendent Lance Davenport said at a news conference held in UHP headquarters in Taylorsville. Internal investigators are continuing to review the case. So, you know, you, you probably you've seen this. I'm not going to play it again because it is a long clip and the audio is, is say fa- something. Yeah, it's, what? It's fairly poor. Uh, that, that I'm doing the sound effects a little bit tonight, just uh, kind of ad lib. Uh, Davenport acknowledged there was a communication breakdown between Gardner and Massey and that Gardner had alternative options that he didn't use to resolve the situation. Gardner zapped Massey after he refused to sign a ticket, put his hand in his pocket, and walked away from the trooper. The UHP has asked Utah Attorney General's office to investigate the incident. We recognize and realize the significance of this event, Davenport said. Massey filed a public records request after the incident and received the dashboard video from Gardner's patrol car, which he posted on YouTube. The clip has reportedly been viewed more than one million times. I think it's actually way more than that. So the long story short here is that there's going to be no punishment for this officer. And, you know, hey, why not? I mean, it's, it's going on all over the place. And the more and more you look at these tase incidents, um, the more you see that they're getting more heinous and more unjust uh, with every single day. And, um, you know, 
just to prove the point, there was another incident that was eerily similar to the uh, the Massey tasing incident where a man gets pulled over. The cop seems to have, you know, be having a really tough day or for whatever reason gets really PO'd at this guy and doesn't, you know, barely gives him a chance to to get his license and registration. And uh, sure enough, get out of the car, blah, blah, blah. And the guy was not cooperating. And I'll be fair to the, the trooper. The, you know, the man was not cooperating. But at the same time, we've we got to go back to this ideal where, you know, police men, police women are really there to serve and protect the public. You know, this is not supposed to be, okay, you know, you have to abide by my law. You are my my slave. I, I want to use a different word, but I don't want to cuss. So, you know, it, it's it, this mentality like, oh, you know, no matter what a police official does, you should cooperate. Now, that's not necessarily true. You have a right to resist arrest. Um, not violently, of course, but, you know, if you think differently, give me a ring. I'm going to try to dig up this clip as soon as possible and, you know, get, get your, uh, get your thoughts on it. But again, it's, it's eerily, eerily similar to the Jordan Massey clip. And, um, it's almost identical. There's a man driving in a car. He's got a wife or at least his girlfriend in the car. And, um, he gets tased. He gets tased and right near the highway. But before we get to that clip, um... I do actually want to report a, a Fox News revelation, and believe it or not, I actually witnessed a fair and balanced report on the original Jordan Massey tase incident that I'm talking about. On Fox News, they actually reported uh, two different men with two different opinions on Fox News. It wasn't unfair and unbalanced, so just to prove my point, i got to play this because this I almost jumped out of my chair. Check this out. The Utah Highway Patrol says this trooper acted appropriately when he tasered that man on the left twice. Many thought it was excessive, including a lot of YouTube viewers. Well, now the Utah Attorney General's office is investigating. Was the double tasering justified? We'll hear for a fair and balanced debate. Defense Attorney John Richardson and former prosecutor Tom McCain. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Double tasering seems a little, it seems a lot excessive when you watch that video. I think if you see the whole video, I don't think it does look terribly excessive. This is an individual who is disobeying a lawful order, walking away, acting in a uh, inappropriate manner. When you're arrested or when you're pulled over by the police, you obey them. You don't. It's not a negotiation at that point. But he wasn't acting aggressively towards the police officer. He was walking away. He had his hand in his pocket. You know, whether the use of a taser is always justified, you know, is a question of individual time. In this situation, the investigation thus far, the officer said that he felt threatened. He didn't know what okay. this individual okay, was up I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. You have a right as a citizen to resist an unlawful arrest. And this officer... That's what I was talking about before. So you can resist an unlawful arrest. ...made an unlawful arrest. He had a duty to inform this gentleman uh, that he was supposed to sign uh, the citation. That's why he was arrested. And the citation acts as a court summons. And most people don't understand that. And if the officer simply would have said, look, you have to sign this. It's not an admission of guilt. It's a court summons. Just sign it. And then at that point, if he refuses, he has the right to arrest him. But he didn't do that. So this can't be a... We don't know that. Well, that we know what we heard on we know what we heard on YouTube. He says sign it, and he other just saying sign it is not enough. It's in order to arrest somebody for this, it has to be willful. In other words, they have to know what they're not signing. When someone sticks something in your face and says sign it, boy, that's it's just not enough. So, Tom, what is the lesson here? Is it that every time a police officer pulls you over, do whatever they say, do not make any other move?
Which, by the way, just interrupt, I kind of have that, even though I believe that cops have a duty to serve and protect, which is really a fact, not my opinion, I will say this, uh, I would not come up with some fancy you know, lingo. I wouldn't talk about the Constitution. You have a right to, and yes, in the perfect world, that's the way it should be. The cops should be serving you. But fortunately, folks, the more you watch these videos, and you know, I know it's a select amount of officials doing this. It's not, I'm not trying to label all cops. That's not what I'm doing. But at the same time, folks, if you get pulled over, do what you're told, unless it's completely unlawful. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not for abusing the rights of citizens here completely. But look, you know, get your license, get your registration, do what the cop says at this point, and just get away. Because you don't want to get tased. And I, I really don't want to see the day uh, where more people die, and, and certainly from these tasing incidents. And I don't want to see the day, and I have a really bad feeling that someone's going to react in a very violent manner and, and harm a cop. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see any violence towards cops because then that's all the excuse uh, they're going to need to really enforce maybe some more laws. But let me just finish this clip. Oops. Is that the lesson? Well, in, in essence, yes, that once you're pulled over, you're under their authority. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to, you can certainly take your time and read something if they're asking you to sign it. I think another question on this is you've had a lot of threats from people towards the police officer who've seen that video. Those people are acting incredibly inappropriately, and they're subjecting themselves to illegal action. Okay, but back to what was going on in the video. I mean, when you look at that video, and to taser the guy twice, that doesn't seem at all excessive to you, you Tom? Know you know, it's not a, you, you, it's not that he just tasered him twice. It's poor procedure all the way through. Once he's got the man in handcuffs, he lays him down and his head is in the interstate. And then his pregnant wife gets out and comes screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he goes and addresses her. And then the gentleman laying on the ground gets up and walks away. Well, he should have handcuffed him, put him in the back of his police cruiser. And frankly, any good police officer knows if you're going to make an arrest where there's more than one people in the car, you should be exercise safety and caution and ask for a backup officer. Yeah, so, I mean, I have to agree, and I understand, you know, I think both... Both gentlemen are making some valid points, but uh, either way, I just wanted to play that clip just to prove that there was actually a fair and balanced report on Fox News. I couldn't believe it until I watched it about three times, but <laughs> nevertheless, it's true. Uh, we're up against the break. Animal Farm Show, one word on Skype. Give us a call. We'll be right back. of the media. Who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. 
The views and opinions expressed in the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Revere Radio Network, Rob Revere, or any other host on the network. They are the personal thoughts and feelings of the host given the presentation. We support total free speech here at Revere Radio Network, even when it's ugly. Enjoy. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. If you want to give us a call here at the Animal Farm, dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up. Finish up! Is it true men are still trapped alive inside the Arizona? We can hear tapping from inside the hole. We're doing everything we can to get to them, but they're 40 feet below water. We've been trained to think that we're invincible. And now our proudest ships has been destroyed by an enemy we considered inferior. We're on the ropes, gentlemen. That's exactly why we have to strike back now. We're preparing an attack against the Marshall and Gilbert Islands, sir, to keep I'm our... I'm talking about hitting the heart of Japan the way they have hit us. Mr. President, Pearl Harbor caught us unawares because we didn't face facts. This isn't a time for ignoring them again. The Army Air Corps has long-range bombers, but no place to launch them. Midway is too far, and Russia won't allow us to launch a raid from there. Admiral? Navy's planes are small. They carry light loads and have a short range. We'd have to get them within a few hundred miles of Japan and therefore risk our carriers. And if we lose our carriers, we'll have no shield against invasion. Does anyone in this room think that victory is possible without facing danger? We are at war. Of course there's a risk. But consider the risk, Mr. President. If the Japanese invade us right now, they would penetrate as far as Chicago before we could stop them. Gentlemen, most of you did not know me when I had the use of my legs. I was strong and proud and arrogant. Now I wonder every hour of my life why God put me into this chair. But when I see defeat in the eyes of my countrymen, in your eyes right now, I start to think that maybe he brought me down for times like these when we all need to be reminded who we truly are, that we will not give up or give in. Mr. President, with all respect, sir, what you're asking can't be done. George, get back. Do not tell me it can't be done. All right, folks, welcome back to the Animal Farm Show on Revere Radio Network. I'm your host, Anthony Pax, filling in for myself once again. We are without our beloved friend, Ben Miller, tonight. He is not feeling well. And Pyeth is being a degenerate in the Atlantic City Casino somewhere 
one of the many casinos. Once again, uh, 914-613-3166 is our phone number. That's 914-613-3166. You can Skype us at Animal Farm Show, which is one word, or instant message us at AIM. Uh, same thing, Animal Farm Show, one word. We talked before the break about these tasing incidents, and, and like I said, uh, we could make an entire show based on them. You know, they're, they're, Now they're a daily occurrence. Uh, I'm not going to make a show on that, and I don't want to bore you too much, but unfortunately I'm going to play a little bit more audio of the recent tasing event, which is, again, eerily similar to the Massey incident where it's a trooper on a highway, pulls this person over, and, you know, the cop was being very forceful. The, the the citizen in this case, I will say, was being a pain in the ass. Uh, wasn't really cooperating. He was, you know, kind of enforcing that. Yes, you know, these are my rights. You should really respect, you know, these rights. God forbid you do that these days. But I'll play just the beginning of it. Couple of cops got two drivers license, fifth insurance. Going seventy in a sixty-five mile an hour zone. You got license plate in the front of your car, and then license plate in the rear of your car. And you should drive license, fifth insurance. No, not whoa, whoa, whoa. Driver's license and insurance or get out of the vehicle. Okay, there's a license. No, this license is here. Step out of the vehicle. I have no idea why you are. Step out of the vehicle. Take your seatbelt off, step out of the vehicle, and give me your driver's license and your piece of insurance. I have no idea. Get to the back of the vehicle. Put your hands on the vehicle. Okay, so he just tases him. I mean, he's on the ground, obviously. You, you, you fall to the ground when you get tased. And I'm not going to play the rest of it. The audio is poor, as you can tell. Uh, I don't know, folks. The point I'm trying to make, ultimately, with these incidents is... Um, it's unacceptable for police officers to act this way. Uh, rarely, if ever, they're you know when they deploy these tasers on people. Uh, rarely, if ever, are they uh, are they under any danger? You know, I like the idea of you know quote unquote non lethal weapons, and I th- I think it's a great idea, and I'm I'm all for it. First of all, tasers are not non lethal; they are lethal. They've killed not as much of a, as a gun. I understand that, but what, what gets me more angry is that uh, they're being abused. You know, maybe maybe because uh, certain cops think that they're kind of, you know, non lethal. Maybe they're more like toys than guns. But regardless, they're being used inappropriately. And again, my fear is that uh, eventually this is going to backfire, and I, I have a bad feeling that someone's going to lose their cool, whether they're the one being tased or maybe they see a friend getting tased. I don't know, and I don't want to see any violence towards police officers. That's the last thing we need, especially with this um, ever-emerging police state. But I don't know, folks. I mean, eventually something's got to give. I mean, these cops are deliberately um, abusing the rights of citizens, and it's unacceptable. So give us a, you know, give me a, give us a call. I'm going to say us all night, by the way. But give me a call. Let me know what you think. If I'm, you know, if I'm wrong, just just tell me. Um, and I, I, I guess I should also play uh, the other clip of the uh, the hand. This, you know, this is amazing. There's two more incidents, and again, I've already spent way too much time on these damn taser incidents. But there's two more incidents uh, of interest in this realm. The first one was the uh, I'm not gonna play the audio of the drunken woman. Uh, she was handcuffed in in you know the pen, not a penitentiary, but in the police station. She's handcuffed. She's hammered. She's being really annoying. She's yelling. She freaks out when the male cop attempts to drag her away or put her somewhere, and she's get her hands off me. And she doesn't attempt to attack this guy, uh, the officer in, in question here, and, of course, she's handcuffed. So she's really of no threat to anybody, and all of a sudden, deploy taser, and, and she gets tased immediately. She's on the ground, and she's screaming, and, 
I, I just don't understand what the the purpose of these tasers are, according to these officials. How are we training our police officers uh, regarding the use of these weapons? I don't understand. You know, the 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 Massey tasing incident is justified, uh, which I I can't even believe that. Um, especially since he got the the video through the Freedom of Information Act, and I figured that was a slam dunk for for Massey. He would probably make some money off of it, if nothing else. Uh, and I'm glad it it brought it to the forefront. But yeah, I mean the cops, and, and you know what are we teaching the cops now that they're you know they're allowed to do this? You know, if you get pulled over for speeding, you should not be tased. Maybe I'm out of line, but uh, last time I checked, that's that's not really America American principle. Um, I don't know. Nevertheless, it's. It's getting me really angry, and, and you know, again, now it's it's really it's becoming more prevalent. You know, when something happens in in today's media and with the internet the way it is, um, when something happens, it, it, you know, more cases of it come out because of popularity. So I just really hope that it dies down. I just hope that we can figure out a way to uh, first off treat you know uh, teach our police officers how to better use these instruments. Um, but if nothing else. It's gotta, it's gotta come to an end sooner or later. I really hope so. And you know, and just to add insult to injury, or to you know, to put whatever on top of the the cake here, there's a deaf man, and I, and this this one I, I pretty much have to get into just just to finish it up. But there was a deaf man who was taking a shower, um, and he un, was on the unfortunate victim. Someone had called in a, a, a something 911, and you know, the, there was a crime going on, and. This poor guy was in the shower, and again, he was deaf. He didn't have his hearing aid in, and um, unfortunately, the police officers rammed into his house and uh, and tased him. Uh, you know, it's it's. I'm not joking. This is really what's going on. So, you know, we'll we'll get into that maybe more when when Ben comes back, or maybe if Ben calls in, we'll uh, we'll try to we'll try to get make some sense of this. You know, we we had Charles Ratner on. We talked about the legality of these types of things and. Um, and again, I expressed my fears uh, about what's going to happen if this continues. But um, I really hope, I really hope it stops uh, as soon as possible because I have a bad feeling that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And if nothing else, I mean, I'm not to, not to delve into the Star Trek age these days, but maybe we can fix these tasers to be a little bit less powerful. This way, there are no deaths because that's just unacceptable. You know, a lot of people have heart conditions these days. We all know that it's the number two killer in the country, uh, heart disease. And, uh, you know, we're tasing people. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nevertheless, the, the hearing impaired person was Wichita, Kansas. And um, this came out of Eyewitness News. Hearing impaired man tased by police. And I promise, folks, this is the last tasing incident of the night. I promise. We'll move on. Don L. Williams had just gotten out of the bathtub wearing only a towel around his waist when he turned to the corner to see guns pointing right at him. I ain't never been so scared, says Williams. Police forced entry into Williams' home while responding to a shooting, but it turned out to be a false call, unfortunately. They had no idea at the time the call wasn't real and that Williams is hearing impaired. Without his hearing aid, he is basically deaf. I kept going to my ear yelling that I was scared. I can't hear. I can't hear, said Williams. Officers were worried about their own safety because at the time it appeared Williams was refusing to obey their commands to show his hands. And this is another thing that I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little shady on this. How as an officer with a gun or a taser could you possibly be a threatened or feel threatened if someone doesn't obey your commands if someone goes into their pockets or runs okay you know maybe they're going to get a weapon or something like that but this is a half naked deaf man in his own bathroom and you're going to tell me that as a cop you feel threatened because the person's not obeying your orders nevertheless that's why that's when they shot him with a taser 
So, you know, he didn't show his hands, then they shot him with a taser. Deputy, Ch- Deputy Chief Robert Lee of the Wichita Police Department says this one occurred on the worst of calls, that being a shooting. The first few minutes getting control of the scene are very, very important. Well, of course, I understand that. Uh, however, okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to shut up. Once the facts were all sorted out, officers repeatedly apologized to Williams. Police wish it never happened, of course. But with the information they had at the time, their choices were limited. So, you know, this is not exactly on, you know, in the realm of uh, a man gets pulled over and gets tased. I understand that. But, uh, again, like I said, when something happens in this country – uh, and it gets attention and it gets web hits. You're going to hear more incidents of it. This is just a really unfortunate one. And, and again, I'm glad nothing happened. I'm glad that nobody was you know, injured. First of all, if you're in a bathroom and you fall over from a taser, you can easily injure yourself. But uh, thankfully, he is well. And uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, we could start uh, teaching some better sensitivity training to these police officers. Maybe we could start talking about the use of tasers. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but please let me know because I'm really confused. 914 613 3166 or Skype me at the uh, on AIM or Skype. Animal Farm Show, one word. Either will do. And once again, it's 914 613 3166. But moving on, and again, I apologize. We've already spent way too much time on that, the tasing thing, but I had to bring it forward. We talked last week about the use of uh, spying drones or high tech drones um, flying over the skies of Austin, Texas uh, for the use of. The police for police uh, activity. I don't know why. Spying or just in case someone's on the loose. Uh, However, and once again, the news travels fast and now high-tech drones are joining the Miami police force. And this is out of Local 10, local station there in Miami. The the Miami-Dade Police Department will begin experimenting with high-tech drones as law enforcement tools beginning next year. And mark my words, folks, you're going to hear more about this. This is going to become a national thing. Uh, states are going to implement this. There's a lot of government funding for these programs, and we're not just talking about airplane-looking drones. I mean, I've actually seen a couple of the small drones. They look just like a little white airplane, almost like a, a remote control airplane. That's exactly what they are, only they're a lot more expensive in there. They do a lot more than the ones you buy at Walmart. But nevertheless, a lot of states are adopting this now, and there's not just the airplane-looking ones. I've actually looked at the drones, and if you look at this video, don't don't take my words for it. This is on PrisonPlanet.com, and the video, uh, if you just type in on Google, high-tech drones joining Miami police force, you're going to see these drones look like something out of Star Wars, uh, almost like the, the, the droid in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. Okay, I'm going to play the clip, but this is, this is getting... It's getting scary for me, just because I think I know what they're going to be using these drones for, but... Um, Okay, we're going to try to play this. Here we go. Local 10, South Florida's most watched newscast at 6. All right. Miami-Dade police could soon go high-tech in the fight against crime. They're considering using remote-controlled aircraft, which have been used by the military for years now. As Kelly Butler shows us, drones may be the future of law enforcement. I'm just glad that they always use that. Oh, well, it's been used by the military for years now. I, oh, they always include that. I always love that just because, you know, it makes it more justifiable. But okay. Aviation Lieutenant Cliff Nelson will soon have another aerial tool to track down suspects. Uh, The FAA is looking to us to see if we professionally manage this program. Next year, the Miami-Dade Police Department will start using a micro-air vehicle like this one during SWAT team operations. The remote-controlled flying camera seen here in Honeywell promotional video weighs only 14 pounds. Okay, this is the one that I'm talking about, folks. If you look at this video, you're going to... See what I'm talking about. This looks something. This looks exactly 
like the I guess it's the protocol droid out of Empire Strikes Back, the one that the Han Solo and Chewie destroy in the beginning of the movie. It looks just like it. It's it's amazing. It is unarmed and unmanned. It can fit in a backpack, fly through buildings, and soar 10,000 feet in the air. For example, if you have a a tactical situation where you have a subject that's that's armed with a high-powered rifle, we don't want to put innocent civilians or people on the ground at risk by flying a manned aircraft. Two years ago, authorities say a suspect shot at and hit a sheriff's helicopter in Albuquerque. The pilot had to make a crash landing in a backyard. Because South Florida's airspace is so busy, only pilots from the Miami-Dade Police Department will be allowed to operate the aircraft. It's very important that whoever operates this knows airspace requirements, the laws, the rules of the road. The Miami-Dade Police Department and the Houston Police Department were the only two law enforcement agencies given permission by the FAA to experiment with the unmanned aircraft systems. Last week, Houston conducted a test, prompting some legal experts to raise concerns about privacy. We're not going to use this for routine patrols. It's going to be only used during special response team deployments. In southwest Miami-Dade, Kelly Butler, Local 10 News. Oh, thank you, Kelly. I appreciate the, the nice report. And and just you know, just to reiterate, two shows ago, or our, our last live show, I should say, I was the first one to say, look, you know, it's a great thing if you um, if you need to use this drone to catch a criminal, then I'm all for it. How could you not be for it? But again, um, I have I, sus- I suspect I suspect that it's going to be used for other things. So uh, we got someone calling in. Caller on the air. Hey, Tony. It's Ben. Oh my goodness, it's my co-host Ben. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? I didn't recognize your numbers. Sorry, buddy. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm feeling all right. Okay, great. So, uh, Ben, did, I, I'm glad to hear that. We we miss you, all of us here, me and myself and uh, and I. <laughs> and that bottle of scotch you have next. I to do it. actually. Yes, I confess. I have a little bottle of Johnny Walker Black. He's keeping me company. At least I do have one friend tonight. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're I'm, I'm glad you're calling in and. Uh, I don't know, Ben. Tell me where I'm wrong here. I'm going to do a Glenn Beck on you because I know you love him so much. But these drones, is this not becoming – I mean, and not even mentioning anything about – in Austin, Texas especially, not mentioning anything about using this for Border Patrol to help the Minutemen, of course. You know, it's it's never used for the cause that we want it to be used for. It's always, well, you know, it's just an early stage thing and it's being used for this and that. So what do you think about now it being used in Miami? Oh, well, it's uh, becoming pretty systemic. Every every local police department is starting to look closely into the technology and what it's doing. But, I mean, to put it to put it in a mild manner way, it's basically like a bugged-out sci-fi movie, you know? Did you see, Ben, the picture of the the, the video in question that I'm, I just sh- uh, played over the air? Did you see the, the picture of the drone that I was telling you looked like the Star Wars thing? No, I you, didn't. What is it, round? you got to check it out. It looks exactly like... The the droid in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. It's the only thing I can think of comparing it to. It's it's cylindrical. It's got like legs on the bottom. It's it doesn't look anything like it. If you, I swear to you, if you saw this thing in the air, you you know you'd think, oh my god, it's a UFO. And, and of course, it is unidentified, but you wouldn't think it's uh, anything from our country. It's really strange. Uh, so go check that out. Um, just Google Miami drone, you know, police force. So and, and you know, from what I got from the law enforcement official. He seemed like he was all happy and serious, like, oh, you know, this is this is a big thing and it's got to be done right. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I understand. I'm all for law enforcement. But, again, there's a thin, very thin gray line between law enforcement and invasion of privacy. And, Ben, maybe I'm nuts, but I don't think this thing's going to be used for um, 
you know, true law enforcement. I think it's going to be used for domestic spying and whatever else they can get their hands on via the Patriot Act. Well, we talked about that last week, too. Where, yeah, uh, we right. Talked, we, we were saying how, you know, it's sort of a matter of trust between us and our police forces and in general sense, you know, it's it's there is a small level of trust and it's it's getting even smaller and smaller, you know, where where you like we had mentioned before, you know, you can't if you can't trust a cop with a taser, you're going to trust him with a, a a UFO that just came out that literally looks like a UFO and tases it's used for tasing mass protesters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the- I mean no doubt. I mean, do you trust them with that? I mean, well, and exactly. That's the question. I mean, they always pass all of these things off as, well, it's here to protect you, and if you have nothing to hide, it's always the same spiel. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, despite the fact that you know they have cameras that can see through buildings, through cars, uh, and can see right through the walls and and see what you're doing at all times, and you know over the internet, you're basically out in the open. They can do anything they want over the internet. They can spy on you over the phone. Um, I don't know, Ben. Well, you know, essentially, they've turned our, our country into sort of a war zone in a way. Yeah. And, you know, where, where things are gridded out and things are so technically modern and, and, and controlled, you know, that that's eventually what it is. It's just a big, it's a, just a giant war field, a giant domestic war field. It is. And, you know, you know the, if, you, if you go on our website right now, uh, animalfarmshow.com, uh, right on the main page we have, um, uh, what does it say up there, Tony? Oh, uh, you actually just posted... Uh there, yeah, there was the Ron Paul video, which was actually really cute. But the what other, what we chose to ignore is, is the yeah. uh, is, is the name of it, and it's just a it's a really really just good YouTube video. Yeah, um, check it out, folks. It I don't goes through it goes through all the executive orders, and it says what FEMA has control of when when the president declares a national emergency and whatnot. So yeah, it's uh, once again animalfarmshow.com, and the right in the you know on the front page you see a picture yeah. of a soldier. Slash uh, military official, and, or a slash cop, I should say, and and that's the other thing too, and that's why that that picture there is so appropriate. Um, I'm a big Battlestar Galactica fan, but the big quote from uh, the one, of, I think it was actually the pilot uh, of the show, not the pilot person, but the pilot of the first the first episode. Um, something along the lines of, "There's a reason why the the police and military are separated. The police are there to protect the people, and the military are there to protect the state." And when you combine the military and the police, the enemy of the state tends to become the people, the citizens, or dare I say it, civilians, Ben, because we're all just a bunch of civilians. Uh, but you know, Ben, I don't know. You know, at this point, um, it really seems as though, and now with this mall shooting, which we'll get to, you know, maybe after the next break, you know, it's just the more and more these things happen, the more excuses uh, these the government has now to crack down. More protection, more security, and you know, more terrorism ultimately against the people. Uh, despite the fact that you know, nine thousand people die every year from aspirin, and three thousand people have died in the last fifteen years from terrorism, it's completely out of balance. If you ask me, Ben, what do you think? I, I think we're going to ha- end up having mass taserings in the uh, in malls around the in, around the country. Yeah. We're just going to have trigger happy security guards uh, with a power trip. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's just. Yeah, and maybe we're living, you know, obviously the product of the time because the internet is is there and because it's such a it's a such a widespread resource. You know, I'll use the word widespread. It's it's there. You could you could research anything on the internet. But I mean, has there ever been a time, uh, year year and a half before an election where you actually heard of a presidential candidate having links to terrorism, Ben? Have you ever remember? I mean, we're not that old. We're kind of <laughs> young. But I mean, literally, I could spend the whole it's show. Pathetic, man. Yeah, and I was take a step. Take a step back and like pretend you were an alien or something from yeah. outer space, and you're just looking down at the planet, and you see like you know 
the people that are uh, you know harboring one side of a war being friends with the people that are harboring the other side of war it's like it's it's hilarious it's unbelievable it's, almost, it's tragically funny yeah it, it's monopoly you know if you own park place and broadway you're pretty much good to go because you own both sides whatever i don't know how to apply yeah, it i mean you own the, the war machine and the media propaganda then then it's a it's a monopoly on people's thoughts right and uh and then they're Opinions on on war in general. I mean, it's just un- it's when, unbelievable. When those two conglomerate. Yeah, I just I, I you know and I, like at this point I know you and I and and people listening to Revere and people in the in the truth movement so to speak, uh, I know we're kind of numb to stuff these days. You know we hear news like this and it's like ah you know I knew that no big deal but. This is it's a main this is not coming out of the Hillary Clinton campaign. This is not an Obama tactic. This is not Mitt Romney uh, covering up because whatever he's a pagan or something. That's not what I'm talking about. And meanwhile, by the way, I have to give a lot of credit to Mitt Romney for coming out and, and you know being a gentleman about it, saying, look, this is my religion. If I'm going to be uh, persecuted for it, then fine. I gave him credit for that, and we'll, maybe we'll get to that later on. But, I mean, literally, we have the man who was, you know, the mayor of New York um, coming out now, and now there's a national widespread article, which is getting mainstream coverage, about him having links to terrorism. Ultimately, at the end of the day, to terrorism, maybe not directly, but you know, to a terrorist, uh, and there was some kind of money transactions there, and I don't know, Ben, I, I don't want to believe it, but unfortunately, I do. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you go back to sort of just the basics and American involvement in terrorism in general, you see that you see, you know, our funding and our creation of the Mujahideen that eventually turned into Al Qaeda. You know? Yeah, and the more you research and the more you dig down the hole, so to speak, you know, the more you realize that it all makes sense because uh, key bono, you know, who's benefiting off this whole thing, who's making the money off this war, this thousand-year or this hundred-year war, whatever they call it. Um, it's time to open our eyes, folks. We're actually going to couple uh, against the break right now. Ben, you're going to hold on. Sure, I'll hold on. Okay, we'll be right back once again, folks. You're listening to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. of the media. Who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Revere Radio Network, Rob Revere, or any other host on the network. They are the personal thoughts and feelings of the host given the presentation. We support total free speech here at Revere Radio Network, even when it's ugly. Enjoy. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. If you want to give us a call here at the Animal Farm, dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up! Finish up! 
On December 7, 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, the hub of the United States military power in the Pacific. More than 180 planes were destroyed. 18 ships were sunk or severely damaged. More than 3,400 men and women were wounded or killed. The events of that day, a date which will live in infamy, as President Franklin Roosevelt called it, brought the United States into World War II. Beneath the surface of the harbor water can still be seen the dark hull of the USS Arizona, sunk by a series of torpedoes and aerial bombs. Over it, the Arizona National Memorial honors the 1,102 men who went down and are still buried within the battleship. All right, folks, welcome back. I am Anthony Paxter, host, along now with my co-host, Ben, my fellow friend, my dear friend, Ben, and co-host. Um, this is the Animal Farm Radio Show on River Radio Network. We've already, we're already an hour deep. Ben, are you still with me? Yes, I am. So we're already an hour in. Uh, people are saying, why did you spend so much time on the tasing incident? I could imagine they're already saying that. But unfortunately, it's, it's just so bizarre that I, I felt like it was important to address. But there is another, uh, you know, just like there are many every week, but there's another bizarre story. And again, Keith Oberman, I have to give him credit, uh, came out and did a report on this. I don't know if you heard about this one, Ben, but firefighters asked to report people who express discontent with the government. And I'm not joking about this. This is out of the raw story. And if you don't believe it, um, again, it's got mainstream coverage. Let me just read a little bit. This is David Edwards and Muriel Kane. Once again, this is out of the raw story. This was published on the 29th. It was revealed last week that firefighters are being trained to not only keep an eye out for illegal materials in the course of their duties, but even to report back any expression of discontent with the government. This one really, um, I almost fainted when I heard and read this. A year ago, Homeland Security gave security clearances to nine New York City fire chiefs and began sharing intelligence with them. Even before that, fire department personnel were being taught to identify material or behavior that may indicate terrorist activities and were also told to be alert for a person who is hostile, uncooperative, or expressing hate or discontent with the United States. Now, Ben, I, I remember reading an article a while back about, like, janitors in, you know, in multiple corporations or any building where there were, you know, janitors cleaning up to, you know, to keep an eye out for suspects. But this is outrageous. We're, we're teaching our firemen now to be police officers? Absolutely. I, 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 <sighs> it's, it's all about consolidation. If you look at, uh, you know, the private organizations consolidating with the government, you know, uh, AT&T used to, to spy on all our phone calls, emails, and everything that happens at the Internet, basically. Um, it's it's just whenever you have that type of consolidation, you're always going to have that, that type of problems. You know, that's, that's why you look at a constitution. It's really just a beautiful thing because it's meant for a lack of consolidation. It's meant for a decentralization and, uh, you know, a separation of everything, you know, especially even your house, your own home is your own castle. You're the king of your own castle. It's essentially supposed to be its own country, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we at least have a Ron Paul 
uh, type candidate because you know and it's no it's no wonder in my mind that we have such he's got such popularity and support because you know I mean it doesn't take a genius it takes a moron to look at some of this stuff and say yeah that doesn't really sound kind of like what I was taught you know the pledge of allegiance type stuff uh, growing up in school this is a little bizarre and I I want to play a little bit of this Keith, Keith Oberman clip because. Uh, I do. Yeah, I like how he. Uses Ray Bradbury's perpetually disturbing vision of a future America. Firemen are sent into people's homes to hunt down illegal materials, namely books, to destroy them, to set them on fire. Hence his choice of the name of his novel, Fahrenheit 451, the temperature at which paper will burn. Our third story on the countdown, 54 years after that book about anti-intellectualism was published, a disturbing parallel initiated by the Bush administration, not in some future America, but right now, here, today. Actual firemen being trained to seek out illegal materials, to be on the lookout for people who express either hate or even just discontent with the United States, and to report back to the government about them as possible terrorist suspects. And because firemen and other emergency workers usually do not need a warrant to enter someone's home, they can go places that law enforcement can't, and not just during a fire, but, say, during fire code inspections. Nearly a year ago, Homeland Security gave secret clearance to nine New York City fire chiefs sharing intelligence with them in return for information on suspicious materials and behavior. If the information sharing program works in New York, the department says it will extend it to other major metropolitan areas. Unless we stop them. I'm joined now by Mike German, former FBI agent who is now National Security Policy Counsel to the ACLU. Great. Thanks for your time tonight, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. So, well, you know what, Ben? I, I can't go into the interview because, again, we're running, we're going to run out of time before we know it. But I don't know, Ben. If you put together all the pieces of the puzzle, and it's not a jigsaw puzzle, it's a pretty large, you know, four or five big pieces. You got the 1955 bill, and now you have the H.R. 3791 to you know, protect the children from pornography. You have firefighters, you know, fulfilling the role of police officers. You have uh, surveillance drones spying on cities. What else do you possibly need to to wake up and think? Yeah, maybe I should start paying attention to this, Ben. What do you think? Uh, I think what else you need is really a history book. I don't even know. I, I you Looking know, at other at other countries and other forms of tyranny and other forms of despotism is really the the best way to to see it and uh, see it happening in such a cold calculated way i mean it's happened in, in thousands of, of governments before now and it's like seeing it happen again and seeing people fall for it again it's like it's it's, it's a crappy feeling yeah and you know i i don't want to go off on the the typical rant where it's like blah 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 why aren't people waking up because you know what they are waking up and, and it's not fair to say that they're not waking up i mean every day along with these illegal and unjust tasering acts that we see on TV, you do hear about people protesting, you hear about children protesting in, in high schools and in colleges, and, um, you know, I, I, there is the positive, in my mind, to go along with the negative, and I, you know, I, I know we focus so often, and we focus uh, a lot on the, the negative that's going on, but, uh, you know, hey, we're here to try to give you the news that you're not going to hear, you know, most of us work 9 to 5, and and, and are, are busy with families, but you know we're trying to give you the news that um, that you're not going to hear. And unfortunately, Ben, it's going to well, be. Well, you negative. know what, man? I think I think that we 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 see a problem. We feel the, the need to inform people, you know. And it's it's there's nothing wrong with really seeing the problem and yeah, and, sure, absolutely, and, and looking at it in an objective manner and stuff like that. I mean, everybody knows there's a problem, pretty much. They just disagree on what the problem is. Right. Nine one four six one three three one six six. It's nine one four. 
613-3166. I'm Anthony Pax, and my co-host, Ben, who's not with me in the studio, but he's over the phone with us now. He's joining us for a little time here, and, uh, you know, I've, I literally have gotten to 10% of the stuff I wanted to talk about, but I'm glad, Ben, that you did call in, and I'm glad that we could address this a little bit, and I know next week we're going to have to dive in, and I think I said it earlier on the show, we, we just simply don't have enough time. I mean, I know we have uh, we have breaks, you know, here and there, but we, even with the two hours straight, there's just not enough time to cover uh, you know, a half of what we want to cover because there's so much going on, and every day it's like la la land. And you know, as Alex Jones says, "cuckoo for cocoa puffs." It really is. The more you read some of these bills that are getting passed or or, or attempting uh, to be passed in the House and the Senate, um, you have to scratch your head. And then, you know, I want to turn to the HR three seven nine one. Um, to modernize and expand the reporting requirements relating to child pornography to expand cooperation in combating child pornography and for other purposes. Being enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, blah, blah, blah. Section 1, short title. This act may be cited as the Securing Adolescents from Exploitation Online Act of 2007 or the SAFE Act of 2007. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there was a SAFE Act in 2005 that was somewhat similar but ben this is another bill uh and folks i would again remind you to google it hr 3791 it's just another bill and it seems like what it's going to be used for is to regulate any business that offers wi-fi service to look for you know of course we're looking for child stalkers and stuff and you know of course i'm against any anything like that any predator but I don't know, Ben, maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist or a conspiracy nut, but I think it's going to be used to monitor where we are on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, um, I, I don't think the government's really there to help us in many ways. And uh, Chris Nemo uh, wrote a good article out of truthnews.us, which is another news site, very, very good site, very well organized. Um, he wrote it yesterday. Nowadays... Since everything changed, it is normal for Congress to rush legislation through without hearings or committee votes. Congress did this with the Securing Adolescents from Exploitation Online, or SAFE Act, a government nanny law supposedly designed to protect children from illegal images including obscene cartoons and drawings available over Wi-Fi connections, over open Wi-Fi connections, I should say. The broad definition would cover individuals, coffee shops, libraries, hotels, and even some government agencies that provide Wi-Fi. It also sweeps in social networking sites, which of course you know them as Facebook and MySpace and whatnot, domain name registrars, internet service providers, and email service providers such as Hotmail and Gmail, and it may require that the complete contents of the user's account be retained for subsequent police inspection. Declan McCullough writes for CNET News. Safe passed 409 to 2. Um, not one Democrat opposed the Safe Act. Two Republicans did. And I don't know, Ben, can you guess which Republican opposed this bill out of the two? <laughs> um, was it Ron Paul? Yeah, good guess. The libertarian leading presidential candidate from Texas and Republican wow. Paul Brown. I think it's Brown. B-R-O-U-N from Georgia. I apologize for that mispronunciation. But, yeah, I mean, geez, what a surprise. Ron Paul voted against it. I can't believe that. Um, you know, you'd, you'd think of that in an, an ideal society where, where freedom really reigns. It's You'd give you'd give the private organizations the right to, to filter whatever they want to filter. You know, Starbucks has their own Internet connection. They'll be able to filter it in whatever way Starbucks wants. That's what a private organization does. That's what a private enter- enterprise does. But, you know, in a centralized fascist society, 
they, they bring the government in with the private organizations. Basically, the government runs how the private organization does things, and uh, that's where you get a corrupt government. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I, I know it's difficult. I know that some people that might be listening or people that I might have an argument about this topic, they, they might come back and say, well, I mean, come on. Aren't you against child pornography? Aren't you against predators who, who prey on young children? Of course I'm against it. That's a heinous, heinous crime. Um, the road to hell is paved with good intention. Absolutely. You know? I, I mean, you know, but at the same time, I have to come back and say, first of all, don't you think they're going to use some of these you know, issues to pass legislation. And here's the other thing that really gets me going, Ben, and I've dealt with this for, oh, at least the last three years now when, when talking about any bill in the House or Senate in any stage, uh, when talking about a bill um, with anybody, a lot of times I'll tell them about the bill. And, and actually this happened a couple of days ago. I was talking to one of my family members about this particular bill with my brother, and we were trying to tell – uh, one of my family members, yeah, you know, this bill's kind of ridiculous. This is what they're trying to do, blah, blah, blah. And then I always get this response back. It's always, oh, well, you know, that's never going to pass. That'll never pass. Oh, that's never going to happen. <laughs> and, and at the same time, yes, I agree. I don't think this bill is going to – even though it, it, you know, passed by flying colors in the House – I don't think it's going to pass either, but it, that's not the point. Really? You don't think it's going to pass in the I, Senate? I don't think so, Ben. I, I, I think um, I think that it's getting a little bit more interest now, and I think every time these bills get interest, I think we're going to have some – I hope. I mean, maybe it's wishful thinking. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there has uh, more information about this than I do, please uh, call in. But, yeah, no, I, I'm optimistic, and maybe it's blind optimism, Ben. But regardless, the, the, the point of the matter is this. When you're talking to someone and they come back with this – this rhetoric like, oh, well, you know, that, that'll never happen here or that can never, you know, that bill can never pass. It doesn't matter. The point of the situation, the point that we're trying to make is that this is what's going on in our government. We have a health care system that's failing. Our education system is failing. We have an economy that despite these great numbers from the Dow, I think the economy is going in the, in the toilet. We have a dollar. We have a dollar that's practically worth nothing compared to what it used to be worth. I mean, there are a hundred million problems in this country alone that we have to address: security, border security, um, and a handful of other things. And this is what our politicians are are doing. They're trying to pass bills so that we can spy on Americans in every facet and every way. And I'm not just a liberal trying to say this. I'm not a liberal at all, Ben. You know me. Uh, this is what's going on. You have to face the facts. And just the fact that they're trying to do this, just the fact that this is in the pipeline, considering the issues and problems we have, is ridiculous. It's ludicrous. And it should make everybody get up off their chairs, turn off Fox News or their televisions, and get active and just try to do something. Write your congressman. Write your congresswoman. Get active. Start a radio show. Make a sign. I don't know what you got to do, but uh, you know how much worse is it going to get? I don't know. You know what my my newest thing is that I don't even care if people do anything anymore. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be active. Just be aware of it. Just be aware of what's going on. You know. That's a great I point. I think you'll be surprised of 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 how much changes just as the fact that you're aware of something. You know. I I couldn't agree more, Ben. And one of my other you know I don't know if it's a credo or if it's a way of life, but whenever talking about politics, and I know people generally the mass population always says, oh I hate politics. I don't like to talk about politics. Well, you know they've been turned off to politics, granted. But whenever I uh, find myself in a debate or you know talking to people about something. I always say, look, you know, before we get into facts or before anything happens as far as what you should do or what I think the right way is to go, you have to acknowledge it. So often I find myself, and I'm sure you do, Ben, and everybody listening uh, finds themselves in a situation where you, you know you talk to someone, whether it be about 9/11 or the border or drones or spying, whatever the case may be, you talk to someone about 
any one of these issues. And right away, before they can come back with this or that, they always say, oh, well, you know, what would you do? You know, how would you fix it? How, how could you possibly fix the border? And my, my response has now become, well, okay, before I tell you what I would do if I were in office, let's just acknowledge what the situation is. Let's at least acknowledge that there is a problem and it exists because before we jump to conclusions, I don't know. I wasn't born and raised as a politician. I don't know how to fix some of these problems, Ben. I don't know about you. Well, I think I think the the more obvious the problem becomes, and the more it's clarified, the, the automatically the easier it becomes to fix. Yeah, just be, just because I could recognize a problem in our government, just because I could recognize a problem with society or the way that our, our society is governed, doesn't mean I have the answer. Acknowledgement is the first step. You have to acknowledge that there's corruption uh, before you can think about you know how to fix it. I mean, I don't know how to fix a lot of these things. I mean, I have ideas. It doesn't matter if I know how to fix it. The, the fact of the matter is that it, it exists. It's happening right now, and it's affecting all of us. Um, maybe if we can, we'll get into some of the housing bubble news, Ben. I, I mean, I'm sure you heard about that, but, I mean, it's ridiculous. But before we do, um, just to elaborate on Kurt, ne- Kurt Nemo, and if you, again, this is out of uh, truthnews.us. If you, if you Google that uh, just, or just Google House Votes for Big Brother Public Wi-Fi Law, uh, just to you know sum it up, Kurt writes, in other words, the local bookstore or coffee shop with an open Wi-Fi connection will now be forced by the government to snoop on its patrons lest these businesses' owners be held liable for what their patrons view. No doubt, instead of dealing with this big brother role imposed on them by the government in addition to paying business tax – Many will likely stop offering wi- Wi-Fi connectivity. So you know, it, it's now it's a really it's a double whammy because if this goes through, then now uh, businesses are going to be forced to actually snoop on their patrons or be you know be held liable for something that they're doing. So you know, yeah, of course, if you're a business owner, Ben, if you and I have a coffee shop, uh, I don't want to you know get sued if someone's surfing kitty porn on uh, you know in my building. I shouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's all the, it's all this. And here's the thing, and this is, you know, this is, this is somewhat fair, you know, because if if somebody was watching kitty porn in your address or whatever like that, and then they and they and, and the police come and ask for who, you know, who's, um, you know, I know that often online here has a policy where you know if you get caught downloading some pirated stuff. Basically, the the uh, the company that files a lawsuit against my connection, which is Optimum, basically sends a letter to Optimum and. And, and says, hey, you download an illegal file from there, and then Optimum basically digs through their records, find my shit, con- contacts me and says, you downloaded an illegal file, delete it off your computer, or we'll press charges or whatever like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, again, to, just to say again, I am not – I am completely against – that crime, I think it's heinous. I think it's awful. I think it needs to be dealt with. But I think this type of legislation parallels the same garbage that we hear about bartenders being responsible for selling alcohol to drunk people. That's their job. Yeah. It's it's literally their job to sell booze to people drinking. And I can't even yeah. believe that we're talking about uh, enforcing laws against bartenders to to know somehow these these bartenders are supposed to know when to stop drinking. Now, granted, if someone's puking on your floor. You're not going to sit from a drink, but let's be reasonable. Bartenders are busy people. They work nonstop from whatever hour to whatever hour. It's ridiculous to hold them accountable for underage drinking or for serving someone who's had a little bit too much. It's not fair. Yeah. You can't measure it. That's the problem. And then, you know, when you apply this now to, you know, businesses who offer Wi-Fi connection, look, if someone sneaks into my house and looks up kitty porn, I, I have no control. If I see them doing it, I will stop them. But if I had a business, uh, I would not be for this particular thing. I wouldn't 
feel like I should be responsible for someone surfing in, in, in waters, so to speak, that they shouldn't be surfing. And I don't think that that's fair. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's ridiculous, Ben, and, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong, but all this surveillance, Ben, all this surveillance, and yet the border is open. It's not secure. And, again, I have to come back to this argument where um, – if you're going to try to pass this idea that we all need to be more secure in our persons and our houses and blah, 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 in our, in our establishments, you better secure the border because terrorists could get in. 914-613-3166. That's 914-613-3166. You're listening to the Animal Farm Show and uh, my co-host Ben, who's not feeling so well, but he's he's with me tonight over the phone. You can Skype us both now at Animal Farm Show, one word. Um, or you can AIM, instant message us at Animal Farm Show, one word, Ben. So uh, I wish you were here, buddy. I wish we could hang out afterwards, but uh, definitely next week we'll have to continue on this this tirade of stuff. And, and you know it's just going to get worse. This is like la-la land times you know 18. Every time you listen to the news, every time you, you read a newspaper, uh, the more stuff that comes around, um, it just gets more bizarre and more bizarre. Yeah, my, my, my most common word now is, really? <laughs> really? Oh my god. Well, you know, and I and the other topic that I wanted to talk about uh the Robert Hawkins, the young, I guess he was a teenager, shot up uh eight people at a mall. Terrible thing, Ben, and you know, this is another thing. I want to play uh maybe really quickly. I want to play the 911 calls. Uh pretty intense stuff. Let me just play it and get your your reaction. 911, what's your emergency? This is when she realizes that the 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 guy, the you know the the boy, has uh, has killed himself. It's pretty bad. There's an officer there now. I wonder if he customer service on the third level. Correct. It looks like he might have killed himself. Okay. You see it laying by it by a gun. I see him laying by a gun. What did I mean so wrong? You know, it's um, it's terrible. I, you know, I. I can't understand what goes into. Yeah, you know, we're going up against a break. Ben, stay stay with us. I want to get your comments on this. We'll talk about it when we get back. Animal Farm Show on Revere. Stay tuned.
committed to true free speech, even when it's ugly. You're listening to the one and only Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. First action as president. First action? First action. Where you have the most authority is on, on uh, your commander-in-chief of the military, not commander-in-chief of the people. You're commander-in-chief of the military, and you can design foreign policy, and you could change the world within weeks about just changing attitudes, saying that we're backing our Navy off, removing the sanctions on Iran. We'll talk to you. We've talked to the Soviets. You guys aren't any more threatening to me than the Soviets were. And... Uh, Bring the troops home from Iraq. Give them a motivation to start talking to each other. The world would change. I bet oil would drop $20 a barrel just because right now it's up to 92 because of the threat. That to me, the higher the oil prices go, I think it's the closer we're getting to the people in the know behind the scenes on that we're getting closer to action against Iran. A true terrorist is a very, very weak person. And we think of them as... Every place, all over the place, and they're monstrous, and, and we're so intimidated by the fear that they're able to build up. But they're very, very weak individuals. They don't have a country. They have no political base, and they, and they really don't have an army. That's why they have to use, you know, a bomb here and there or a knife here and there, and they have to create terror. Uh, so it is understanding motivation and then a lot of good police work, uh, not declaring war against a country that had nothing to do with it. We need good policemen. And uh, this is a police activity. Uh, I wouldn't send private companies over there at taxpayers' expense trying to avoid the use of our military. That's what we've drifted into. I, mm. We've never done it like this. You know, they talk about, what, 150,000, 160,000? Mm-hmm. But it may be double that. It's probably over 300,000. Nobody co- They count contractors but not subcontractors. Uh. So there's a, yeah. there's a lot of Americans over there. We, we do well in providing a military defense of this country pretty well. It's the policy of foreign intervention is bad. But if you just had limited to defending this country, I would say that nobody can touch us. We we should feel perfectly safe, you know, from any country ever invading us, you know, uh, at least in the foreseeable future. Day after day, alone on a hill, The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still But nobody wants to know him They can see that he's just a fool And he never gives an answer But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning round All right, folks, welcome back to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. Once again, the 66th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack. I am Anthony Pax, your host, and along with me on the Skype line is my co-host, Ben Miller, who is unfortunately not feeling too well, but Ben, you're still with us? I am. All right, Ben. So uh, before we get into I want to get into Ron Paul news because I haven't even touched it. Uh, But just that clip there, and I, I put that clip in the mix because not only does this guy have 
a lot of moxie, a lot of courage, so to speak. Uh, I want to use another word, but he's got not only has, he has a lot of courage, but he also says he, he he's able to say things in a way that you know it's it's never controversial. He brings up the point that yes, there's plenty more than a hundred thousand dead civilians or people in Iraq, certainly more than that. Um, and he also brings up the idea that this threat of terrorism that's being pushed down our throats constantly by the mainstream media, by almost every outlet, by almost every newspaper, is not even close to as big of a threat um, as it really is. You know, it's it you know it is a threat. Terrorism's real. I'm not saying it's not real. Of course, it's real. It's it's a real threat. But at the same time, there are so many other things going on in this country alone uh, that are hurting uh, our people in our country. So, uh, what do you think about that, Ben? Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think the things that are hurting in this country most right now are, uh, you know, um, our, our economy certainly is a problem. Our, the uh, devaluation of the dollar is huge. The, um, the, the basic Iraq war, uh, which has basically proven itself as, as a basic conduit for our economy, because now we're basically at the point where we have to we have to start fighting other wars just to keep our economy alive. That's how that's how you know in influential our military industrial con uh, basically is with Complex. the government. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's it's it doesn't take, I mean, you know, and obviously we're we're kind of young, we're, we're just getting into the field these days, you know, we're young guys, but it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. I mean, anybody who just yeah. looks and looks at our country can can easily name the top 10 things that are that are hurting us and uh and yet so much time and way so much money, way too much money, I should say, is constantly being spent on these wars and these terrorists uh, and this threat of terrorism. And, and again, I, I have to give not only credit to Ron Paul for being bold enough, which is enough for me, being bold enough to go on mainstream talk shows and radio shows and, and, and to, to speak uh, about the fact that we're being deceived. But, he, you know, again, he never says it that way. He always has a way of saying things in a positive light. And I... That's one of the things I admire about him so much. I mean, even when he talked about the troops, Ben, when it was uh, when he was talking to a couple of supporters or when he was on the newscast there, he was talking about our uh, our troops and how they're not being supported, how health care is terrible for our veterans, even going beyond the Vietnam War. Um, and he used a couple of words, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but instead of saying, our effing troops are sick, they need funding, he was saying, you know, oh, they're, you know, they're this or they're that. And he, he always has a way of saying things. To make you understand them and, and bring it, the point across without, you know, being intrusive, I should say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or oh, whatever. You know, that... and they, they, eventually, they tried to put him as a, they tried to paste him as a, you know, an angry old man, but that never worked because he's not an angry old man. Oh, it, it, it's, I tell you, I tell you the truth. I, I get a kick. I get a real kick out of the att- the attacks. I love when. They're trying to attack him because, you know, you could almost – and throughout history, you could attack every president. I mean you could even attack JFK with the whole affair oh, yeah. thing. Every single candidate or every president of, in our history, you could find some dirt uh, here or there or, or anywhere. But Ron Paul, I swear – and I'm glad you posted that video, Ben, and uh, I would suggest people go to our website, www.animalfarmshow.com. And I think it's – if it's on our archive, just, just Google it. Um, the, the video you posted there, Ben, about Ron Paul, and we, you know, we finally got dirt on Ron Paul. He's addicted you to something. Just, Google, Google Ron Paul's dirty little secret, and you'll see it. <laughs> and, and just, and I'm not gonna. So yeah, funny. I don't want to tell people what it is because I want them to Google it. It's, it's, it's hysterical, and you know, hey, I, I admire this guy. This guy really is a squeaky clean guy, and he's, he's not only he's a, not just a front man, but he, he's got it all. He's got, uh, you know, the, the whole spectrum of things. But just to get back to the crazy. 
you know, we love to talk about the crazy stuff here. I want to just put this one out there, Ben, before we get into the Ron Paul stuff. Um, out of Infowars.net, actually came out of the Daily Mail. Um, grandfather who called Welsh woman an English bitch is convict, convicted of racial har- harassment. I'm not making this up. A grand, I read this. I was laughing. A grandfather has been suspended or given a suspended prison sentence after a court decided calling a woman an English bitch was racial harassment or harassment, however you want to pronounce that one. Mick Forthsight found himself in the dock after an argument over a scratched car in Wales degenerated into a slanging match. After refusing to pay the, to repair the damage to the car, which belonged to Lorma Steele, who, ironically, is Welsh, he accused her of being an English bitch and stormed off. But now he but now has a criminal record and is branched a racist after the confrontation in the quiet mid-Wales market town of Newtown ended up before magistrates. So uh, the, the 55-year-old ex-lorry driver was given a 10-week prison sentence. Suspended for 12 months. He was suspended for 12 months after being convicted of racially aggravating a disorderly behavior. So, um, again, this came out of the Daily Mail, and, you know, you, we could talk about, you know, this or that. But just just to bring a little – it's not funny. I mean, I, I would say, you know, generally I'd say, oh, this is funny, you know, whatever. It's happening in uh, another place in the world, blah, blah, blah. It's not funny, though. It, it, it's funny for us because you read it and you're like, oh, nah, that's, that's a joke. It's not a joke. This is really what's going on. And this all ties into the hate speech stuff which also ties into the bills being passed regarding hate speech, not the least yeah. of which is, is, is H.R. 1955. Yeah. This and I want to curse about this, but I can't. What's that, Ben? Sorry. This sort of goes into the fairness doctrine as well. We're starting to criminalize, yeah. we're starting to criminalize people for their, for their speech, Ben, and, and, and yeah. you know, the fundamental principle. And again, I know it's not happening here in that regard, but, you know, think about it. it, it aren't well, we you know, a lot of our politicians, man, are, are sitting there saying, hey, Britain's doing this. Why don't we do that? You know, I heard Michael Bloomberg talking that crap. Yeah. He was sort of like, you know, oh, man, Britain's, Britain's got it like this. Like, why don't you, why don't, we should have it way worse than that, you know? Yep, and you know, and then you you want to really start talking about policy, and you know, I was going to bring up the North American Union and how the media is is talking about it as it's some conspiracy theory or some myth, even though there are government. That is the funniest thing ever, man. There's, I mean, there's government document. There's literally a government website about this particular plan. It's been going on for years, and the mainstream media is dubbing it as some kind of wacky, nutty conspiracy theory. And I guess yeah, you know. That is the- Funniest thing ever, man. That there is like it's literally like saying like that whales don't exist or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it gets it's to ridiculous lengths, thing. and I, I think I think you know the 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 whole goal of the media is just to try to keep as many sheep that are still left in you know in sheepdom and serfdom, whatever you want to call it. It's not working, obviously. And, and the more you look at the uh, just the success of YouTube just with political videos, not to mention the, the the crazy little videos that get around that are just kind of viral, but just the political videos in and of themselves, the tasing videos and the Ron Paul videos, people are paying attention. People are sending the message around. People are forwarding the emails to, to their friends and their coworkers, and we're not afraid anymore to, to inform our fellow Americans because it's getting to the point now uh, where we're seeing through the glass. We're seeing through the... You know, I don't, I don't know what the word is—the looking glass, or you know, the allegory of the cave, or something like that. Uh, people are not dumb anymore. I really am optimistic about our country, Ben. I think people are waking up. What do you think? 
I think so, big time. I think it's um, it's definitely more than I, it's ever been before. You know, absolutely. It's really gotten to the point where I'm like so surprised about what's happening when I see we are change out there, and they're confronting politicians, and I, and then, <laughs> you know, we're out there screaming our message so hard about Ron Paul that like he's just going to get a ton of money just in one day, and there's going to be literally a blimp flying with his name over it. I'm so glad you said that, Ben, because I literally have that argu- that uh, that article open right now. Uh, presidential candidate Ron Paul has a blimp. Um, absolutely. But how freaking funny. Like, think of step, take a step back and really <laughs> think about it. How funny is that? It's... That this guy has a ton of money in one day, and then <laughs> has a freaking blimp out on him. Like, how hard are we trying to get the message out, and how hard is the media, like, trying to ignore us? It's the funniest thing. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, Ben, and just to delve into my own personal uh, opinions, which is basically what I've been doing all the show, so... Um... You know, on the one hand, I see how bad the situation is in the country. I see how bad certain things are, um, and it makes me sad. It really, it makes me angry. It makes me want to give up everything I'm doing in my life just to fight and just to try to, you know, wake people up. But at the same time, I do get a lot of relief out of just the Ron Paul campaign. But more than that, to see supporters doing more for this campaign than his own campaign manager, and that's something that I have to admit. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. I would have to guess, I should say. That's unprecedented. I mean, the whole 5th of November thing was not from the Ron Paul campaign. The word revolution has never been used by the campaign after, you know, before it was uh, dubbed by the supporters. And now we're talking about the Boston Tea Party thing, which we will get to. Um, that, again, that's all grassroots support stuff. But first, I want to bring this up. The um, This is all over the Internet. You could just Google it. But out of Reuters, presidential candidate Ron Paul has a blimp. And, yes, it is true. Elizabeth City, North Carolina, this came out today. Uh, Supporters of presidential candidate Ron Paul are excited to announce the launch of their very own privately funded Ron Paul blimp. In less than a month, the idea has gone from a wishful post on the website to a full-blown and flying reality. Launch date is set for the morning of December 11th from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where the blimp will then fly north to New Hampshire with stops in by thousands stops in Washington Washington DC, pardon me, New York City and Boston. The blimp will be met at each stop by thousands of Ron Paul supporters who will come to cheer it on as it continues its journey while passing over stadiums, parks, highways and anywhere else people gather. Your thoughts? <laughs> it's awesome, man. I mean, I, I can't get the smile. I can't get the smile off my face because. I mean, neither. This, this <laughs> is like a, big, a big crap eating grin on my face yeah. right now. I mean, you know, <laughs> the thing ever. I, I don't know, you know, whether you believe in karma or balance or yin yang or whatever the hell you believe in, something has to be said for the desperate times that we are in in this country to have a candidate that is of Ron Paul's stature and and. and just, just the fact that we have him as an asset, and, and the fact that his success is so unprecedented, you have to—it's got to be relief for anybody who's upset. You don't have but to. You don't stars have to. Stars are aligning, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. This and just, I think everybody, everybody, we have to, you know, double our efforts and work even harder. I agree. In regards to it because it's just—it's—it's—it's yeah. it's almost perfect that he's, you know, there and that he's carrying himself so well, you know, and spreading the message so well. It's like we gotta. We gotta work harder, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, any, sure this guy gets in. anybody who knows me personally knows I'm very. I have a strong opinion about many things, uh, and not the least of which is is politics, and and, and you know, I'm very dogmatic in in a lot of in a lot of ways. But I have to say very securely and passionately that this election is no longer about whether you like candidate X, Y, or Z or whatever. This is basically a simple choice. 
it's either Ron Paul or America is gone one way or another, whether it's by North American Union or whether it's by American dictatorship, which is pretty much here, or fascism, or whether it's just a borderless disaster uh, of or unorganized politics. And when it really comes down to the only candidate who's there who can help us and really change the course and go back in a real direction um, is Ron Paul. And I don't think you can debate that. And if you can, call me up. Tell me I'm Mike Huckabee. Tell me I'm Mitt Romney or Giuliani or, God help us, Hillary Clinton is going to make the situation better. Please let me know where I'm wrong. Let me know where Ben's wrong. Or you know, We're not going to get a call about this, Ben, because most of our listeners are, are smarter than I am and they know – uh, about Ron Paul, they know the success he's having and and uh, what his policies are, and and they understand that that's basically our last hope. Yeah, yep. I mean, so. I, I I like the fact that he's sort of taking a backseat to this and sort of you know pointing to his all his fans out there and saying that hey, this isn't even me that's doing it. It's it's our it's our fans that are doing it. You that's know? the thing. I mean, you know, that's he, how potent this message is. Is that look at all these crazy psychos are doing these freaking people are buying a blip you know <laughs> yeah you know he even i and i love the speech he gave the short speech he gave uh, about the 5th of november and he's sitting there you know instead of saying i'm gonna fix health care i'm gonna the, the, the general rhetoric he's saying what is this i hear about the 5th of november and everybody just starts going crazy and it's like yeah i mean you know when when has you when have you ever seen anything like this where supporters are doing more for the campaign uh, than the actual campaign manager or the people involved. You know, it's not just about wearing buttons uh, and flashy hats. This is real. And um, I tell you, Ben, I'd really like to know, you know how many people in this country are really uh, ready and willing to vote for Ron Paul because you never, you never really get the accurate readings. All you get are the Internet polls, which are, you know, tough to gauge. Um, nevertheless, just to finish on this blimp, uh, you know, this is an historic event as no other candidate has ever had their own blimp, let alone one initiated and paid for by their supporters. Uh, Paulites, as they are known, have pledged to donate over $420,000 to fund the blimp for as long as it is needed. Um, I'm going to stop there because, again, this is like, you know, th- this is so inspirational to me. And I hope that maybe, you know, if I'm at like the Jets game this Sunday, uh, maybe I can see this blimp or just see it in general. I'd love to be able to take some video of this blimp. This would be really ins- inspiring. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and they and they raise it, you know, and then and the 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 great idea that I love is these these focused money bombs. I think these are like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. You yeah. know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Like, they're just like almost focused laser beam attacks on the enemy. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, and, and it just it just goes to show you that you know there's there there are good politicians and there are. Uh, politicians out there that you know are not just there for whatever the hell they're there for money and, and corruption and power. And and speaking of good co- uh, good politicians, Ben, I'm not sure what your take is on Pat Buchanan, but recently I heard him interviewing on Alex Jones's show, and he just uh, recently, or yeah, I guess about a month ago, came out with a book, uh, Day of Reckoning. And I'm actually I'm going to try to pick this book up because the more I've heard P- Pat Buchanan speak, whether it be on interviews on Fox News or CNN or Alex Jones or or whatever, even some of his blogs and articles. I gotta tell you the truth, Ben. Uh, he's he's telling it like it is, and I think he's genuine. No matter if you agree or disagree, he recently published an article on the first of November um, called "Sinking Currency, Sinking Country," and I'll read a couple of lines just to give you an idea. You can Google this one yourself. This is Pat Buchanan once again. The euro, worth 83 cents in the early George W. Bush years, is now at one dollar and forty-five cents. The British pound is back up over two dollars, the highest level since the Carter era. 
the Canadian dollar, which used to be worth 65 cents, is worth more than the U.S. dollar for the first time in half of a century. Oil is over $90 a barrel. Gold, down to 260 an ounce not so long ago, has hit $800 an ounce. Have gold, silver, oil, and the euro, the pound, and the Canadian dollar all suddenly soared in value in just a few years? Nope. The dollar has plummeted in value, more so in Bush's term than any uh, than during any comparable period of U.S. history. Indeed, Bush is presiding over a worldwide abandonment of the American dollar. And just and just to his credit too, he's not. He, he says he goes on the article. He doesn't blame Bush. He goes, you know, is it all Bush's fault? No, of course it isn't. Um, but Ben, I got to tell you, man, this guy. I mean, I don't know. I haven't followed him for the last ten years, but recently I like a lot of what he's had to say. Yeah, yeah. I I, I take the the typical toll on Pat Buchanan. He said some pretty messed up things before, um, but he's he's. He's right about a lot of stuff as of right now. Right. Um, he's a Ron Paul fan, he, but he's he's got a good idea of, of he's got somewhat of a good semblance on how the uh, the country should be run. I didn't hear that uh, interview with with Alex Jones. Was that recent? Was that like yeah. yesterday? Yes, uh, I believe it was on. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, it was a good interview. And, you know, again, I mean, it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure out when someone's full of it or when someone's lying. You know, i got to give credit to, to Buchanan. I, I think he he's bringing up some good points. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not very familiar with all of his policies, but I like what he's had to say recently. And I think, uh, you know, I'm glad to at least see politicians coming out and starting to, you know, start talking about American values the way that they were, you know, originally defined. So check it out. Once again, it's called Sinking Currency, Sinking Country, and his book is Day of Reckoning. Uh, you know, again, we're not getting paid to promote his book here, folks, but I would just say check it out. And if uh, you have any dirt on him, uh, give me a call. But, you know, it, I, I would take – I would at this point in the game, I would take a politician who used to be corrupt if he's if he's coming out now or if she's coming out and starting to, you know, embrace freedom and uh, and prosperity uh, in the true sense and not, you know, war. Uh, and today, yeah, I think, I think he's used his role in the mainstream media and his ability to politically – dissect things i think he's used that as a medium to sort of get his own word out which i think is which is good you know yeah very, i mean you know fair. At, at the same time everybody has their own opinions i mean even even you ben i mean I, we we've rarely ever disagreed on anything but i'm sure there are things in the realm of politics that we're going to disagree with along the way and you know when we get there we get there but you know at the same time as long as we're all pretty much pushing in the same direction you know we want our uh, our freedoms. We want our houses. We want our cars. We want our privacy, and we want uh, politicians to start serving us again, and law enforcement, especially law enforcement officials, to start doing their f- jobs. Bleep, bleep, jobs. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ben, that that it, it really gets me mad. And I, we haven't even talked about some of the topics we've wanted to talk about, specifically the the veterans not getting support. I really want to talk about that. We we haven't even talked about the immigration issue with Spitzer. It's been over three weeks. Spitzer obviously backed out over three weeks ago. We haven't even touched upon these things because every time you turn on the television, it's a cop tasering an old woman who's you know half naked, or it's uh, some deaf guy getting tased, or someone who got into a speeding ticket, uh, you know, on the ground. His head is in the highway. You know, uh, how do you not cover these things as as a political talk show host? Who cares? Yeah, as a political yeah. talk show host that cares about you know our our 
our basic freedoms and our basic human rights. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like I said in the beginning of the show, Ben, I, I mean, you know, we want to talk about 9-11, we want to talk about uh, the border, we want to talk about so many other issues, but how do you do it in two hours when it, it takes 40 minutes just to talk about the, the tasing news of the day? I mean, we got to start a blog, we got to start a website just on the tasing news, but, um, yeah. you know, we got a, we got a short break, Ben, stay with us. Um, we'll be back. Animal Farm Show, last segment coming up. Stay tuned. Folks, welcome back uh, to our last segment here. You're listening to the Animal Farm Radio Show with your host right now, Anthony Pax, and of course, co-host Ben Miller, who's on the line with us, uh, 914-613-3166, or Skype us, or instant message us, AIM, at Animal Farm Show, one word. This is our last segment, and, uh, you know, I apologize for the rambling. You know, it's it, obviously politics for most of us listening, and certainly us doing the show. It's a passionate subject, and it's getting to the point now where... You know, you take some time out to read. You take some time out to pass some movies out. Before you know it, you have a radio show, Ben. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have met you. Thank God you already had the connections to do the show. But I still don't think like, – I still don't feel I'm doing enough. And I feel like, you know, we're making a difference. But like you like you said before in the last segment, it's time to step up our efforts and, you know, not so much preach our opinions, but just try to get information out there. Let people do what they will with the information. Let them make up their own minds. You know, if, if you disagree, fine. I, that's not the point. I'm not angry if you disagree. I just want you to know. And like both of us said, uh, acknowledgement is the first step. What do you think, Ben? Absolutely. And not acknowledging necessarily like, you know, I'm acknowledging I'm an alcoholic, but kind of acknowledging that, you know, <laughs> things are things are screwing up. You know, th- things are screwed up right now in our mm-hmm. country. And, and you know... We, we we all know that, and everybody's on TV is arguing about you know what's screwed about what's screwed up by the country. You know, we need to have a stronger police force, and we need to have a stronger military, or we need to spend even more money on health care, and we need to spend even more money on this. And 
you know, the actual problem is is that we're spending actually too much money on that stuff. That's the problem. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to see. I mean, even if you watch the mainstream news, it's so simple to see that we're spending billions and trillions uh, of dollars on war and and efforts over in different countries when uh, it's it's very simple to see that the money needs to be spent here and you know if you start asking me questions about well how much and how little I don't really know because it's so difficult to say I mean you know you hear reports about trillions missing from the Pentagon uh, years ago and how do you allocate for that how do you allocate for trillions being missing missing I mean how is this money missing <laughs> it's you know, it, it's so ridiculous and you know the national debt now is we are in the highest debt bubble in our nation's history. Um, and you couple that with the now the housing bubble, and we barely even got a chance. We didn't speak about that at all, actually. Uh, like I said, the the Pat Buchanan article, "Sinking Currency, Sinking Country," is a good one. Uh, I recommend you you check it out. But there's also out of the raw story now, um, U.S. national debt expanding at mind-numbing rate. Now, Ben, I gotta I gotta bring this up. This should have been the main topic of the show, and that's my fault. Nearly 1.4 billion dollars per day. This out of the Associated Press. You can also check it out on the Raw Story. This is written on the 3rd of December. Like a ticking time bomb, the national debt is an explosion waiting to happen. It's expanding by about $1.4 billion a day. That's I'm not misreading that. That says $1.4 billion a day or nearly $1 million a minute. So, Ben, at the end of the show, we're talking about $120 million, money that you and I are probably never going to make combined in our lifetime, not to you know, put a downbeat on things, but nevertheless, the article, <laughs> the article goes on. What does that mean to you? It means almost $30,000 in debt for each man, woman, child, and infant in the United States. Even if you've escaped the recent housing and credit crunches and are coping with rising fuel prices, you may still be headed for economic misery along with the rest of the country. That's because the government is fast-straining resources needed to meet interest payments on the national debt, which stands at a mind-numbing $9.13 trillion. i got to just make sure I say that slow enough. Sorry for the dramatics, but it's important. And like homeowners who took out adjustable rate mortgages, the government faces the prospect of seeing this debt now at a relatively low interest rates, rolling over to higher rates, multiplying the financial pain. So long as somebody is willing to keep loaning the U.S. government money, the debt is largely out of sight and out of mind. But the interest payments keep compounding and could time squeeze out most other government spending. Okay, again, you can Google this article. It's called National Debt Grows $1 Million a Minute. These articles are long. They're very well written. Uh, but if we just read articles all show, uh, then we run out of time, which we're almost out of time already, Ben, and I feel like I haven't even scratched half of the surfaces about these, these issues. Uh, I don't know about you, Ben. I mean, I, I kind of do. We're the same age, and we're going through the same you know, deal where we're you know, very talented young gentlemen. And, you know, both of us, you know, we're trying to figure out where our place is in this country. We're trying to get a, a place to hang out, maybe buy a car one day, and it's so difficult for us alone. And, you know, I don't think either of us are in tremendous trouble, but think about the people that are in tremendous credit trouble that they're never, ever going to get out of. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the system is basically built upon debt in itself. I, I know that, you know, sort of uh, being a newbie myself and in terms of going off on my own and sort of, you know, getting my own place and paying electrical bill and, you know, buying all the stuff that I need to basically live my life, uh, you're starting to see how, how easy it is to become into debt and how advantageous it is to come into debt. 
you know? It's, it's, it's almost, I mean, yeah, I, I actually, you know. The system is basically built around credit, and that's why everybody has credit right yeah. now. It's because, it's because the system is built around that. Yeah, and, and I would recommend, uh, you know, checking out. There's a, there's a couple of really good documentaries about credit. Um, I'll try to cite them before the end of the show. If not, uh, Ben, next show we really got to try to make ends meet and maybe almost have no breaks and just try to cover, you know, the 1,800 topics that we haven't gotten to. But uh, the whole system of credit really has been used against the people. Um, and, and, you know, look, it, it also is a double-edged sword. I mean, if you get into credit, it is partially your fault. But, I mean, you know, oh, yeah, when, totally. people, when people on television, you know, say how great the economy is doing, I get nauseous. I almost faint. And if I haven't had breakfast, it's really a big deal, Ben, and I could fall over and hurt myself because it's so bad. And it's so easy to see how, regardless of the economy, I look at the average person, the average citizen of the country and the situations that he or she is facing – even if I had the money um, to start a family or maybe you know buy a house or, or you know take a loan out, I don't think I would do it because things are so tight right now and you, it's so unpredictable. I mean, I'm looking right now. God's honest truth, Ben. I'm looking into trying to figure out a way to put my dollars into something that's not going to lose value because just be, just since the 80s alone, my dollar has lost what 60% if not more of its value. I'm looking into precious metals. I'm looking into euros. I'm looking into you know British pounds or shit. I might even go into the Canadian currency. And I apologize for the language, but it's so desperate. I don't even know what to do with a little bit of tiny little money that I have. I don't even know. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I look at other people who – and I'm not in credit trouble. I'm not. I'm not really in debt necessarily except for my college loans. But I look at other people out there who are in tremendous credit trouble, uh, trouble that they're probably never going to see the light of day. And I re- I mean I feel bad for these people, but they've also been conned. I mean it's their fault, but they've been conned at the same time. So um, I don't know, Ben. I, things things are, are looking bad, and I would just – the advice I would have, and you know, it's from, from some inexperience, but a little bit of experience is – be careful, you know, try not to spend money you don't have and just try to make ends meet as much as possible. Try to keep um, keep abreast of the situation. Try to, you know, take time, watch watch the finance reports and try to look into uh, sound investments. We're definitely, absolutely, 100% going to have a couple of people on the show, Ben, and we're almost out of time uh, soon about investments. Um, I have a good friend named Tom. He works for a money management firm. He's going to be on the show. We, we got to get people on the show about uh, finance because that's, that's the number one issue, I think, right Right now, that we have to talk about what's a good investment. Give people some information that I can't give because it's not my realm of intelligence at all. I have no idea. I was never taught much about finance. Uh, so we will get people on um, the show as soon as possible to talk about the economy and just to try to give some insight. What do you think? Yeah, totally. I think it's I think it's really what ultimately drives everything right now. I think everybody's money crazy and they think that that's what the world revolves around. They actually think that, and uh, I think that's driving. That's what's driving our, our foreign policy and our military-industrial complex, and uh, everybody just really thinks that currency and money and property is is really the most important things of life. Yeah, and, and you know, regardless of what mindset you come from, and regardless of how wealthy you are or how broke you are at this point, we all understand that you know it's important to have money. I mean, we need money to live comfortably, and we need money to do some of the necessary things to to live comfortably. So. Um, that's an obvious statement, but we, we also need to dive into some of the real uh, deep issues. And I, I, like I said, I have several people who are in the field who are passionate about finance like you, uh, Ben, and myself are passionate about politics. So if we can mix those and maybe dedicate an entire show to the situation, what's really going on, and get a couple of professional takes on it, and then you know perhaps uh, – yeah, I don't want to say you know, come up with some solutions because you know, we're not going to give – advice necessarily but just some insight 
um, it'd be really helpful because it's, it's really time. And everybody from uh, ages 22 and up at this point, anybody who's into college or getting out of college, we're all struggling with the same problems. And uh, it's not getting any better. And, you know, the people who come to me and say, well, you know, I still think that the war is producing some good results or now the insurgency is, you know, is helping and all this stuff. I just gotta. I, I just can't. I gotta shake my head, Ben, because it's. Uh, we're in a crisis now, and really need to. We need to get out of this war, and we need to stop thinking, much less acting, uh, on possible action against Iran. That's ridiculous, if you ask me. Oh Christ, that's a, another topic. We, we didn't even get. To, we, we didn't, didn't talk, about talk about it. About that. No, I mean, and that's, and that's the biggest. That's like the biggest mainstream news story right now. Is that everybody? Woo! Bush got caught lying about uh, about Iran again. The White House got caught trying to drum up another war. And for us, it's so like it's so like duh. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You know. You know what? I didn't. Everybody I, else, it's this, it's this big deal. They got caught again. Oh my God! They yeah, lied and, about Iraq and, and then. Yeah, and it's you know it's one thing for Laura Ingram to to interview uh you know former uh John Bolton former whatever the hell he was I totally forgot John Bolton was on Laura Ingram's show about I don't know about a month ago and you know he's Laura Ingram Laura yeah, Ingram <laughs> he you know he was on the show and he was touting the whole case against Iran okay but now Bill O'Reilly recently had John Bolton on his show after this you know news report came out and he's you know, same stuff the same spewing folks if you want to believe Iran's a threat then fine I also have a good story called Mr Potato Head. And I think you should look into that story as well. But you know what? If you want to go back to sleep, go back to sleep and you know, do whatever the hell you have to do. But at this point, I'm pretty convinced that most people listening to this show know what's going on and probably know more about it than I do. And I think uh, maybe we should start looking into dedicating shows to specific topics. More importantly, I really want to talk about finance, uh, the real economy situation, not, not, you know, not mentioning the Dow Industrial. That's not the economy. We're talking about the average income, the household income, uh, debt. The debt bubble, the housing bubble. Uh, I don't know much about these things, Ben, but I will probably keep our listeners in tune. I'll send emails out during the week. we got to have my friend Tom on, and if you know anybody else, uh, we'll have him on as well. Uh, but like I said, we're almost out of time, and we barely got to half of our articles. And that's pretty much my fault because I talked about the tasing thing, but that's that's important stuff, Ben. I'm sick of these tasing incidents. Well, I think I think that, you know, just to, just to sum up what I think about the entire tasing thing is that we really are turning into a – domestic army here our police officers are literally turning to troops here at home and i think that that's really the sum of the problems i think the more you try to take freedom away the more violent a society becomes absolutely you know? so that's, it's it's really you know we're we're sort of going the opposite way of what we should be going you know the, the tighter we, it's almost like one of those uh, blobby things that you find at spencer's gifts you know yeah where you, the tighter you squeeze the, the faster it slips out of your fingers it's sort of like that <laughs> mr sausage yeah i mean you know but it, it's right out of the playbook though i mean we're just we're just doing what all other dictators have done and probably in many ways it's a little bit more dramatic i mean you know a lot of times it wasn't such a out in the open thing plus now the internet too i mean the internet in and of itself thank god for the internet because we would be totally in the dark and i think you and i ben would probably have different views on many issues uh, about what's going on but thank goodness for the uh, advances in video and uh, video cameras and, and and the internet thank goodness because now we're finally waking up um unfortunately ben we are out of time next week catch us friday night 9 to 11 animal farm radio show www.animalfarmshow.com thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week take care